Hello and welcome to Romance Isn't Dead, episode 19. Come pull up a stool with us to the bar sinister. How are we doing today, Ray? We are enjoying the first proper week of a beautiful heat wave. So I've been sitting on my balcony most of the morning with a cup of coffee, listening to 1980s music. So mostly Whitney Houston, Erasure, and very old Madonna, and enjoying it. It's the weekend. (laughs) Yay, the weekend. Right, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'm glad. Um, This is the start of holiday week here in the U.S. Not that that really matters for everyone, but this is the week that we celebrate being ungrateful colonials. And... um, (laughs) We're having a happy treason day this week, and so um, my family, we're, we're planning on, or we're getting ready to head up to uh, the lake and spend the weekend at the lake, so I will be floating on a pontoon boat, um, you know, enjoying that, and um, we'll have some fireworks this week and all that good stuff. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun. And I've got to round up all my children's bathing suits because they will need a different bathing suit almost every day. <laughs> Not need, <laughs> but like I've just found Want. that. Yeah, but no, but I've just found that if they have several, then they don't get worn out kind of thing. So mm-hmm. they, they each have like three. And I think I have three or four. <laughs> um, because it just... Yeah, it gets tiresome wearing the same thing every day for six days, so... Yeah, I can yeah. see that. How, I can see yeah. how that can be. Yeah, so, anyway. We're, we're Like I said, we're having a happy treason day this week, and we will, we will uh, be watching some fireworks on the 4th, and we'll be on the boat for that, which is also fun. And, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So you'll good. be doing... You'll be doing that while we're... I'm sitting in a stifling office yes absolutely probably looking out the window thinking why is it so sunny when I'm in here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. exactly and it'll be 100 degrees all week but it'll also have we'll also have our standard thunderstorms in the afternoon and blah 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 blah. so it's okay we just have to be just have to be thankful we're not currently Paris yes Yes. Where it's 111 degrees, they've had the hottest temperatures they've had since, what, 2003, and they're worried uh, about their elderly population because yeah. they lost 15,000. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Well, I was in Paris in August, late July or August, many, many moons ago. At this point, it's been like 30 years, I guess. And... <laughs> and we were in the Louvre, so mm. hot in the Louvre, and I couldn't help but worry about the health of the paintings because it was so hot in there, very hot. So I now worry about that too, you know, center of yeah, cultural history what? for Western history. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Western civilization. I that. So anyway, um, so it's not that I'm not worried about the people. I'm just also worried about the cultural stuff as well, so... And, you know, 111 is really, really hot. Um, and I would find that hot. I would survive because I was born in South Carolina. And 
in in the 1970s. And so... <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, they've they've closed the city to 60% of all vehicles. They've um, opened public buildings with air conditioning. They've kept pools open later and they're free to enter. Mm. And they closed all the schools. So, mm. I mean, they're doing everything they can, they can but... Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. I mean, we're expecting, I think, ninety this week, and, and that's, me, that's hot for us. Yeah, to me, that's nothing. But yeah, but that's hot for us. No, I know because I know. we don't ha- because we don't have the infra for it. Yeah, and I, and I'm not being derisive. I'm just saying that's to me that's not bad. But I get I get where you're coming from entirely. So entirely. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Alrighty, well. Should we talk about the bar sinister? I think we should, as that's what we're meant to be talking about. We just got on a, off on a total tangent with talk of holiday. Yeah. <laughs> weather, weather, weather. All right. Well, the bar sinister. The book for today was Stephanie Lauren's Devil's Bride. It is the first yep. in her bar sinister series, and she has a plethora of books. I could look it up, but I'm too lazy right now because this is clearly, I'm not the best podcast host. And so anyway, she's got a bunch of Stephanie Lawrence books that are on the sinister family. She even wrote the prequel with her, his dad and mom. And, um, so this is the story of, of devil sinister. Uh, so nicknamed by his nursemaid, Hully, who called him that devil sinister, and yeah. his younger cousins who followed behind, and they all have equally colorful nicknames to include Vain and Lucifer demon. and Demon and Gabriel. So very colorful nicknames, and all their stories are to follow. And then, of course, because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Continue writing. And then she started writing for the girls in the Sinster family. And then she wrote for the next generation. And so they're just a lot of Sinsters. Fifteen. Fifteen. There we yes. go. That doesn't feel like enough, honestly. It feels like it should be like 22. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking at it right now. And according to this, there's book number 15, mm-hmm. plus a sinister special called The Promise in a Kiss. I'm guessing that's probably the prequel. That is one of the prequels, and I really feel like there are more, but that's no big deal. Um, I will also say this. The sinsters appear in some of her other books just as side characters. So there are little Easter eggs. If you've read the sinster series, you're like, oh, hello. How are you, Honoria? And so, for instance, her Bastion series, they appear in her... Um, there's another Bride series. It's like the Untamed Bride. The, mm-hmm. all that. Uh, they, are you sure... Is that maybe why it seems like there's so many more? Because yeah, I'm they sure. appear as I'm because sure. they appear as those side characters. Because well, but then when you get into the next generation of the sensors, I think there is more. Like when you get into the next generation. So I think it's a combination of books literally about the sensor family and then books that sort of side mention. But all I'm saying is that she loves the sinister family and inevitably sinister wives or soulmates 
So, of course, they're kind of, in a way, they're kind of like the um, Bridgerton series by Julia yes. Quinn. They are to... The Sinsters are to Stephanie Lawrence as the Bridgertons are to Julia Quinn. Absolutely. That is 100% a fair statement. Because they seem to have had done spin-offs and appeared in other bits and just continued on past their point of, oh dear God, why? They are, <laughs> as... they are Christine Feehan's Carpathians. Oh, mm. And I have a side note that is completely off topic, but it is related to a topic that we've discussed before. Back when we were discussing Christine Feehan's book, uh, I believe it was Shadow Warrior, yeah, um, that I disliked so much. Yeah, we discussed it in the same episode as we were talking about E.L. James the Mister. Exactly. I went to my public library. Right. Yay! Uh, reminded <laughs> me, hey, Sally, you don't have to spend a bunch of money. You could just go to the library. And I was like... You don't say. So I went to the public library and they had electronically the next two books in the Shadow series by Christine Feehan. And I thought to myself, self, why don't you give these next couple books a shot? After all, it's free. Why not? They were better. How were they better, though? Um, well, there were still some issues, obviously. But, like, to me, it felt like she really took on board that criticism that there were consent issues in that first book. And she makes it very, very clear that um, consent is not an issue. Like, in one, in one of the books, she has the hero say to the heroine, actually say, I need your consent. You know, is that heavy-handed? Yes. But is anyone going to then say that she didn't get consent? No. Right? That, that yeah, the exactly. So, That's the thing. I mean, if, if she's... I think the problem with... I mean, I think for me, the main issue with the whole consent thing isn't that they don't ask for it or that they do ask for it. It's that when they do ask for it, they are super heavy-handed. They are... It's almost as though they've gone, right, I've got to shoehorn this bit in mm -hmm. and I'm going to make sure it's so blatantly obvious. I'm spelling it out. They may as well, in many cases, go I-A-M-A-S-K-I-N-G dot dot dot. Or write it down as a contract, a la Christian Grey and what's her face, because I never read the books. But they it's just sometimes too shoehorned and too, I've got to put this in here, therefore I'm going to sledgehammer it on your head. But that's just my feeling on it. Well, unfortunately, I think that's a sign where I'm not sure the author can trust her readers. <laughs> and I think the problem with that first book in the series was that maybe she trusted us a little too much. And I knew what she was going for it, but I'm an old romance reader and so it doesn't really bother me as much as it does some people we're not as sensitive uh, um but the reality of the situation is I think she was just trying I think she was trying to make up for that um and and certainly I think those kinds of criticisms sting I know they sting um because even when they're 
even when they're completely wrong, those kinds of criticisms sting. And oh, so, yeah, definitely. And so I'm sure that that was what she was kind of trying to go for. But the, even so, I, I just like the heroes better uh, and the heroines better in those novels. Um, so than than the initial than Stefano and in the initial one. So I'm just saying I'm glad I didn't buy the books, but I read them for free and I didn't hate them. So Well that that's a positive thing. Yeah. I yeah, mean yeah. if you if you read them and they weren't as glaringly bad as the first one was. Yeah. Not for me. And the other thing is I did um I did know that she went back to her catchphrase of for all time. But, you know, again, apparently she likes that phrase. And if you didn't read the Carpathians, then it wouldn't bother you so much. Because, but if you did? Yeah. But <laughs> I noticed it because I read the Carpathians, but it was only in there like once or twice. Does that make sense? Her book. <laughs> yeah. And so if you had not read the Carpathians, it's not a phrase that I don't think it would have jumped out at you as being like, ugh. You know what I mean? Because she doesn't do it a lot in that one book. Yeah, it's kind so. of some, like something that we have discussed previously with the slightly more um, sexual Regency books. And it's something mm-hmm. we will be getting into with uh, Devil's Bride, which mm-hmm. we will be getting back to. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we've, been, we've gone. I think it's the, I think it's the heat. I blame the heat. Yeah, I blame no caffeine for me. Okay, so let's move along. Back to Devil's Bride. Now, what happens is that the Sinsters as a family, the the men in the family, sort of have this idea that they're going to avoid marriage. Well, that's never going to work because this is a romance novel. And this is a Regency romance novel. So you just need to And they have titles. Yes. Well, he has a title. The rest of them, titles. the rest of them don't like they're misters or lords, but they're not like the Viscount or whatever. They're, they're well, that's because his family. Um, if you look at the um, sort of the line of mm-hmm. the family, if he's got all the titles, yeah, because he was the first born in yeah. so many aspects of it so he was the first grandson or the first born on both sides he'd inherit the titles and there would be no other titles for anybody else so while they'd still be nobility exactly they would still they would be misters right and that's what and they all are but anyway then it doesn't seem to bother most of them yeah no and so their nobility, well, it bothers one of them, but not really. Well, yeah, it does. No, but, no, you know, no. that's the thing. I actually identified that so early on. And the minute I, the minute that particular character was introduced, it was like, he's the killer. <laughs> I read this the first time and didn't know. Oh, the literally the first time he appeared on the screen and they had that conversation. It was like, he's the killer. It, it blindsided me the first time I read it. Like, I I figured it out with the characters kind of thing. Like, I like it when that happens. I figured it out with Honoria, who is the, the, who is the heroine. And her name is Honoria Amstruther. Uh, Honoria. Okay. That's how the (laughs) Duchess, the dough wager pronounces it. Um, She's French. Okay. So, Honoria (laughs) Amstruther. Weatherby, right? 
<laughs> so she's got this massive moniker on her. And I guess this is also a sign of her gentry, right? Her nobility. And so she's she's perfectly suitable for a bride of of devil uh sinister and she you can see why he goes by devil because his name is sylvester yeah okay so his um stephanie lawrence makes use of the trapped in the rain trope together right yeah they can't leave yeah yeah they can't leave there's only one bed, except they don't use the bed because there's, well, there's a dead body on the bed. And um, the compromised trope, right? They have oh, yeah. to get married. And Honoria fights it. And and she fights it to the point where I'm kind of rolling my eyes, like, okay, whatever. And it was actually a relief for me in the next book in the series when an older woman tells Vane's to-be bride, my darling, don't imagine for one second that you're not going to marry Vane Sinster. Like you can fight this all you like. You get what you need from him before you do it, but don't imagine that you're not going to marry him. And I was like, thank God for someone sensible that the heroine can listen to, to say that to her. Cause she yeah. was, but, 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 and eventually shuts up because she realizes, well, hell yeah, I am. Um, and I wanted someone to do that to Honoria. And unfortunately it's her brother who kind of does it and she doesn't really listen to him, but she, someone does eventually say that to her. Um, and we're also introduced to Lady Osboldstone in this book. And I love Lady Osboldstone. I want to be Lady Osboldstone when I grow up. (laughs) That's the thing though, isn't it? With, um, with Honoria, she's very um stubborn she's got her mind she's got her mindset on the fact that she's going to be um going to the pyramids and she's going to have adventures and Mm -hmm. she's going to be a the thing is i mean she's not titled because her father was the disowned son of a duke of a of an earl i thought oh no yeah but she he's the different son which means he wouldn't inherit you know what though i don't know if he was formally disowned or not well his father didn't even go to his funeral right but i just don't know if he was formally like uh, i don't know but it wasn't he the younger son anyway so he wasn't going to inherit the title yeah, he was the youngest son. So but no mention is made of his brother right? in the so, book, which is quite interesting. So, I guess because he's, he's not the Earl yet, right? No. Um, because um, her grandfather, the stubborn old goat that he is... Um, still alive. Is still alive, right. And, and in later books, there is some reconciliation or more reconciliation between them. Um, so no, she's, she's not titled, but she is eminently suitable. In terms oh yeah. She's of, a miss. Yeah. She's eminently suitable. Uh, honorable miss, I believe. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I wouldn't say honorable. Um, <laughs> be nice. But anyway, you're, you're judgy. Stop being judgy. So anyway, she she hasn't done anything um, 
particularly dishonorable. I mean, she shows herself to have some some uh, brains in her head, which is nice. Which um, is, yeah, that is a change. And it is nice that she is that she is stubborn, even though I think she's stubborn to a fault. Like, let's be really reasonable here. But um, beyond that, I mean, you know, it, the the book kind of goes through how they get to the altar, if you will, and as uh, well as solving a murder, right? And and they get to the altar before the end of the book, right? And yeah, and and so it's um. It sort of ends with Honoria taking um, taking the reins as the matriarch of the family and, like, whipping the bar sinister into shape and making them donate some ill-gotten gains from a nasty little bet they made to the local church and all that jazz. So, you know, I mean, I, I mean that's it for the synopsis, right? I, yeah. I actually... Uh, let me say this about me. When I'm reading a romance novel, especially, I am rarely consumed with trying to get ahead of the author and figuring out who the killer is or whatever. I'm never consumed with that. Like, I can't think of a time when I'm consumed with that. I like just reading along and just consuming it without really yeah. thinking about it too much. And I think that comes from being a history major, being an English major, and having to read so closely that when I'm reading for pleasure, I don't like to analyze. So I like to think that I would have figured out who the killer was if I had really been trying. Right. But I think yeah. I enjoyed it more because I figured it out when everybody else did. And I'm like, Ugh. you know what I mean? And yeah. so I think that's how I prefer to read those, these kinds of books. So, and I read them for fun. So yeah, that's why I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I intentionally went about trying to figure out who'd killed Tolly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really wouldn't. I literally, the minute that character was introduced, it was like, he's a bit creepy. He's the killer. And that mm -hmm. really was it. It mm -hmm. wasn't a case of, oh, he's done it and this was his motivation. But then as it carried on and there were little bits, it was like, yeah. Seriously, when are they going to figure out it was him? Because this mm -hmm. is annoying me. <laughs> right. Because I'd already guessed. And see, it didn't. And see, so it's revealed to me as it's revealed to the characters. And I was able to. Um, so let me ask this question. For you, were those reasons convincing? They seemed a bit odd. But the fact that he was the heir to the title. Mm-hmm gave him very very strong motivation yeah because that's the money right yeah it, everything was well, it's, not, it's not it's not only the money it's also the um Prestige, the title yeah. gonna he i mean the thing that got me was he was going to change the name of the family and get rid of the bar that was his intention mm -hmm. he was going to change it to his mother's name and this that and the other he obviously he felt so hard done by and that came across very early on in his character Mm -hmm. certain things that he'd said like oh you'll regret marrying mm -hmm. him and so mm -hmm. on that is what triggered the not in a negative way I will stress that is what triggered to me that he was that he was behind it all gotcha okay that's fair so his motivation wasn't clear very early on but his feelings were mm -hmm. right that's fair 
That's fair. Um, and then when they revealed that Devil's brother wasn't his heir, the heir wasn't his heir, other things started to click into place. Right. And see, I I did not know that until I read it, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that was actually, for me, one of the... That was the thing in this book and then later on in Richard slash Scandal's book. I just didn't buy, like, especially this book. Like, oh, it just wasn't a scandal. And I'm thinking, really? Really? That would have been a scandal. That a duke brought an illegitimate child into his house to raise basically as a legitimate child. No, it wouldn't have been a scandal. Nope, because as long as his wife accepted it and it was kept very quiet, it wouldn't have been considered a scandal at all. In fact, there have been quite a, there were quite a few cases where things like this happened in nobility and history. Okay. They just can't inherit. Okay. That's fine. It's quite it's quite funny. We consider it more of a scandal now, I think, than they did then. Because it happened a lot. Yeah, it's like just... it's like they'd um with a certain look at the royals. I mean, if there's somebody Fitzhugh, Fitzherbert, Fitzhenry, yeah, yeah, they were the illegitimate child, the illegitimate child of nobility. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay. It was kind of pretty much out there, and they still give them titles and land and money. Yeah, well, if you're the son of a king, I get it, but I don't know. All right, well, fine, 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 fine. To me, it struck. It to me, it kind of struck an off note. But if you're telling me that it would have been accepted, then I'll accept it. You know, I'll be like, okay. I think whatever. it probably would have been more frowned upon in Regency era America than Regency era London. Hmm. Hmm. Curious. Very curious. Okay. To me, I just it just surprised me. That's all. Okay, cool. Very cool. No, it's fine. I just yeah. like I'm saying, it just. I guess that's one of the things I need a Brit for to say. No, 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 no. Accept it. It's fine. <laughs> it was. It was so common. Are we sure? Affairs with scullery maids and housekeepers and contraception wasn't exactly one hundred percent reliable. Or there at all. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Was it sheepskin? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Poor vegetarians. <laughs> Did those exist? Like, really? Exist? I don't know. I'm not sure That's an odd debate for another day. That's yeah. a good question, actually. Did vegetarians exist in yeah. Regency England? Put your answers below. We'd love yeah. to know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, bottom line... When I read this book originally, I really did enjoy it quite a bit, and I enjoyed it enough to go on and read a lot of her Sinster books and be very excited when new Sinster books came out. So, um, as I was rereading it this time, I still enjoyed it. I was a little bit, um, I wasn't quite as into it, I think, but that, as I was reading it, was a function, and I knew it was a function of just... I've read it so many times that I just yeah. kind of like, eh. So, yeah. What did you think, Ray? I actually 
liked it, but I felt that some of the storyline, especially surrounding the side subplot of the murder, moved very slowly. Okay. I I don't know if that's because I'd already figured out who'd done it. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Yeah, that probably contributed. And I think the main thing that sounds so stupid, the main issue I had was the names. That was the main issue I had. Lucifer and Gabriel are proper names. And they had proper names. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing of calling them by angels and devils and everything else, it was... So in theory, you actually had two two devils, but uh, it... And that human. bit, Yeah, that bit jarred with me just a tiny bit. Hmm, okay. And I don't know if that was because it didn't seem to have a real purpose. It did to me, but okay. That's fair. But I can understand devil wanting an alternative name because what parent names their child Sylvester um however others like Richard right is Scandal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Richard sounds better than Scandal Mm -hmm. to my mind right so there were certain things about it that jarred and there was one key thing and I have I did mention this to Sally before we had this (laughs) this before we started recording, I actually had to check that Stephanie Lawrence and Julia Quinn were not the same author because during one of the scenes where Devil takes Honoria to bed prior to their marriage, he asks her how it feels and she says the line that is in almost every single Bridgerton book, it feels strange. And I just sat there and I looked at it and I thought, is Stephanie Lawrence the same? Is is Julia Quinn Stephanie Lawrence? And I had to look it up just to confirm with myself <laughs> that they weren't the same person because it was exactly the same line that every single heroine <laughs> in the Julia Quinn books had stated when they had sex for the first time. It's like, it feels strange. It's like, no, not again. Because this is the one thing that I pointed out to Sally and she said, no, now you pointed out I'm never going to not be able to see it. Uh, and it was like oh my god why it's just such a random thing to say it's like you're in the middle of having sex and somebody says oh how do you feel and the first thing you say is it feels strange why would you do that well maybe it felt strange (laughs) (laughs) but that was the thing that struck me during sex it wasn't how erotic it was or that he was a really good seducer and she was being seduced really easily or anything else it was that one line and that stuck with me all the way through finishing the book yeah yeah and that actually is worth noting with regards to this this uh series i've never had a point in this series where i've questioned whether or not the heroine really wanted to do this (laughs) yeah me neither yeah like, I mean, in a way, she almost seduces him. Yeah, she's kind of chasing him around going, hello, I've yeah. made up my mind, hurry up. And he's like, no, I need to make sure you know. Yeah, I need to make sure you're completely conscious and not adult or anything else. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, but I am. And he's like, no, you're not. And Yeah, it's this little patriarchal there. But anyway, it's he's he's a duke from Regency England. If you don't expect patriarchal there, I don't know what to tell you. 
Like, I can't get mm-hmm. mad at him for being at least, I don't know, I didn't, yeah, a little He's paternalist. Very yeah, yeah. He is very, very self-assured. Um, again, Duke from Regency England. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I don't have a problem with that kind of stuff just in general with her books. And I do enjoy, I've kind of gotten away from her and the auto buy. Like, I don't really buy her books as much anymore. So she's not on your must-buy list any longer. I don't really have much of a must-buy list anymore, though. Nalini Singh. Nalini Singh really is the only one right now. And I think I've kind of gotten away from Regencies a little bit, and that might be why. But... I think the problem is Regency has been done to death. Mm-hmm. I think that there is so much out there now that is Regency that is very, sometimes very well written. And then you get the odd supernatural Regency that it's like, mm-hmm. um, is this meant to be steampunk, which is more Victorian, but right. you know, won't even go there. It's a little bit there. The, the market has been saturated mm-hmm. to the point, and it started really in the 80s. So, if you look at the 80s, you've got the um, Judith Cat- McNaught, Cal- yeah, Judith McNaught, um, the Coulter, the Joanna Lindsay, the Jude Devereaux. You've got all of those books coming out in the 80s, and looking at my bookcase, they came out with a lot. And most of them were Regency because they wrote historical romance. And that was a period where the historical information is incredibly accessible. The costumery, the clothing is stunning to look at. Mm-hmm. And there is that element of sensuality, I suppose, with the the Duke and the helpless maiden in distress. Which you mean is a generalized trope, not specifically in this novel. No, not in this novel, but as a generalized trope across the entire mm-hmm. Regency, mimicked Regency era with books. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, they're looking at, I suppose, well, though it's a little bit earlier, the Jane Austen stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, because those that, are the I mean, first that... romance novels, right? Yeah. So, it's fair. And at, some point, and at some point, we will be touching on... Jane Austen, your face looks a picture right this minute. We will have to touch on Jane Austen. Pride and Prejudice is like the epitome of the original romance novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look horrified. <laughs> it's my favourite book. So We have to do it, one, uh, suppose, at some point. Yes, yes, I know. You're lucky I haven't picked it for this month. Okay, so what have you picked for this month? This month, because, of course, this is our book episode, this month I have picked a Judith McNaught. She hasn't written in forever, but I have picked Kingdom of Dreams, which is Highland Romance. It's actually one of my favourites by her. Is it Highland? Oh, wait, I thought you said A Promise and a Kiss. No, that's a Stephanie Lawrence book. Stephanie Lawrence? No, A Kingdom of Dreams. I thought you said A Kingdom of Dreams. Oh, I just, did I say Kingdom of Dreams? What did you I just say? Not Kingdom of Dreams. You said a Highland Romance book. Yeah, Kingdom of Dreams is a Highland Romance. Oh, I need to go back to bed. 
I swear you didn't Kingdom. say Kingdom of Dreams. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Kingdom of Dreams, is that right? Kingdom of Dreams by Judith McNaught. I did, though. I think I was looking at the wrong title just then, but it is Kingdom of Dreams by Judith McNaught, which is a Highland romance. Okay. You're looking at me really questioningly now. It is. I'm sure it's a Highland romance. I'm not calling you a liar. I'm not. I just don't. Um, I thought it was the first of the Westmoreland series. It is. But it starts in Scotland. See, I would not have put that as a Highland romance. And this is from 1989. Okay. But you are absolutely right in that she is indeed... Uh, Scottish. She's Scottish. He's not. So, um, okay. Well, he's, I don't think he's even English. They have a really strong, powerful name for him. It's been a while since I've read it, so I'm going to be rereading this. But I have got it in Jennifer Merrick is the feisty daughter of a Scottish laird. Royce Westmoreland, the Black Wolf, is sent by the King of England to wage war against Scotland. When Royce's brother, Stephen Westmoreland, kidnaps Jennifer and her stepsister, Brenna, and brings them to Royce's camp, the lives of the two become intertwined. Royce and Jennifer must marry by order of the King of England and the King of Scotland after they consummate their keeper-prisoner relationship. Forced to accept the marriage. Yep, it is. Uh, Forced to accept the marriage, Jennifer's family tried to make the marriage fail by intending to send her to become a nun in a convent. Um, And then they try and stab him at dinner. mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just, I mean, it's been so long since I've read this book. But it yeah. was published in 1989, so we were literally talking about a 30-year-old book at this point. <laughs> yeah, but then we've done that before, because how old was the Frontier Woman book we read? Hopefully and... this ages better than Frontier Woman did. I think it's got a slight advantage in that it is, it's already, it's, already a clear trope okay and it's in a in many ways it's based during a a much older time period Mm -hmm. so i think that that will have given it the up also it's actually i'd say it's quite well written that's the Mm -hmm. one thing i did love about mcnaught is that her historicals were quite well researched nicely written Mm-hmm. You do get quite frustrated at the heroine on occasion, but then I think that is part and parcel with reading most romance novels, especially historicals. You sit there and go, no, why did you just do that? And that's part of the relationship for me with a book. Yeah, You know, banging your head against the window and going, no, you did not just do that. Why? Mm-hmm. But I, li- I like that aspect of a book. I like getting that involved in the characters and how they react to things. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very excited because I can actually borrow this book from the library instead of buying it. Yay! Well, I don't have to buy it because I still have my original copy, probably Yay. from ni- probably from 1989. <laughs> I started this series with Whitney, my love. Um, I bought it. And paperback to read on the beach in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale. Wow. With my friends. 
because I lived in South Florida, right near Fort Lauderdale. And so then I went back and read this afterwards. So I'm going to open see, it. I read, I read, I definitely read Whitney, my love quite a while after I read Kingdom of Dreams. But I also, in between that, I read Always and Forever. Mm-hmm. I read that one too. And there's another one as well. I'm trying to think what the title is. I'm looking right now, but I can't actually read the titles. But. Because she's only got about six books, I think, in historical. Judith McNaught? Yes. But I loved her. Um... Yes, so did I. I have to say she was my go-to until I found... until I couldn't find anything more by her because she'd stopped writing or she'd actually announced she was moving into writing um, thrillers and then I moved to Julie Garwood and I think that was at the point I found Julie Garwood mm-hmm. and I fa- yeah. have to admit, I found Ju- uh, Judith McNaught after I'd been reading Jana Lindsay for a while mm-hmm. and bearing in mind in 1989 I was 15 <laughs> Yep, I believe it. I, I and I have, um, yeah, th- she was like a gateway drug for me. McNaught was into romance, so I, it's going to be interesting to see how um, how this ages. Yeah, see, my gateway drug into romance was actually um, one of my gateway drugs. Yeah, was actually Judith Krantz, uh, Judith Krantz, who recently passed away. Um, she was my gateway, and I think it was Princess Daisy, Till We Meet Again, and I'll Take Manhattan. And see, I think I read, uh, read I'll Take Manhattan, but I did not love it, I think. But I cannot swear to that. <laughs> and, I th- and I think it's because I didn't really love her books. So, yeah. All right. Well, we have been at this for some time, so I think we need to let our listeners go do their things. Um, and of I, course, yeah, go ahead. If you if you loved this episode, do subscribe to us. Leave some likes. Leave some love on our channel, please. Yes, please. Um, I'm going to look like a begging little kitten now, please. But leave comments, feedback. We're always looking for new books to read and recommend. So if you've got anything that you really love, do let us know. Of course, this is a romance channel, so we're not looking for um, Stephen King. (laughs) Um, And even though it has been 84 years, we are still waiting on Wolf Rain from Ray's library. Yeah, Yeah, my library still hasn't got it in stock, even though it's been on order for four weeks I think but I, and I'm still number th- I'm still number three in the queue I will insist that we review that book no matter what because I actually did like it and she is my auto buy list so yeah there we go <laughs> all right y'all um thank you for tuning in uh Ray how did you want to sign out keep on searching for that happily ever after wonderful and I would remind you that romance isn't dead it's alive and well on your bookshelf. Bye. Bye.